0: Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. I want you to succeed as a small firm architect. I want you to have the money you need to live the life you want. That's why I decided to give away one of our best digital courses, Profit for Small Firm Architects, for free. For more information and to gain unlimited free access right now, go to entrearchitect.com slash free course. This is Entree Architect Podcast, and you're listening to episode 155. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlepage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm whether you're in the process of launching a startup or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. In this episode, I invite my friend Bill Janot from RCAT to join me here at the podcast to discuss developing specifications for small projects. This is a topic that I'm asked about all the time. Uh, How do we put together specifications for these small projects as small firm architects? Do we put them on the drawings? Do we put together a separate manual? Do we use outline specifications? So that's exactly what we talked about during the first half of this episode. We talked about the different options for small firm architects uh, while putting together construction documents for a small project. Uh, do we use the notes on the drawings? Do we have a separate project manual with outline specifications? Uh, and and how some free online tools might be able to help make that process easier. Uh, how do you put together a complete set of documents in minutes? So Bill talks about that with us. And then, as usual, when Bill and I start chatting, because we're friends and we talk all the time, uh, we took that discussion beyond specifications and we talk about the future of technology through automation, artificial intelligence, designing in virtual reality. So we talk about a whole bunch of things here uh, in this episode. So join us this week at Entree Architect Podcast, developing specifications for small projects and the future of technology with Bill Janot of arcat.com. This episode of the Entree Architect Podcast is sponsored by NCARB, helping architects reach their goals Explore your options today at ncarb.org. And True Style, the leader in high end architectural interior doors. Learn more at EntreeArchitect.com slash True Style. And FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage your expenses, and track your time. Learn more at FreshBooks.com slash Architect. Bill Janot, welcome to Entre Architect Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me,
0: Mark. It's great having you here. You are a web developer and co-president at RCAT.com. And so a lot of I am. architects that listen to our show also listen to some other shows. So I'm sure they've heard that name before, RCAT.com. I um, hope so. Leading, you're a leading online resource for free building product information. It's a great website. And Bill grew up in the world of architecture and architectural building products and specifications. Uh, so who better to invite here to the Entree Architect podcast to, to discuss this topic of specifications for small firm architects. It's a it's a very popular question over at the Entree Architect Facebook group, um, which has now more than a thousand members. So anybody interested in joining the Facebook group, it's free at, uh, it's actually you can go to entrearchitect.com slash group. It's a direct link over there. Um, every day, lots of active uh, architectural questions and answers, all architects in that group. Um, and so uh, it's an interesting place to be. And that's a very common question, is what is the best way to present specifications for our small projects as small firm architects, You know, residential and small commercial projects. Um, lots of us do it lots of different ways. And so I invited Bill here to, uh, to come on and talk about that subject. I think it's gonna be a, a great conversation here. But before that, Bill, I wanna get into your story. I wanna talk about your origin story. Um, and you and I are friends. We've talked quite a bit uh, over the, the past year or so. And uh, so I know some of your story, uh, but I know that the story of Arcat itself and your world in the art, you know, in the, your story in the world of architecture is a very interesting one. And so I would love for you to share your origin story here and sort of go back and, you know, share your story of the journey to find, you know, to where you are today.
1: Well, I'll try and keep it brief. It's a it's a long, very interesting story. Um, So anyway, uh, I've always been a programmer and um, and my my dad, Rick, you he um, when I was growing up, he was running suites um, in New York City. Uh, I'm sure suites catalogs. Right. I yeah, re- I'm sure all your users know about uh, the good old green books. Yeah, um, well, not all of them.
0: You know, lots of the younger architects probably have no idea what sweets is because they don't really use them very much anymore. Uh, that's true. <laughs> and, and, but in my generation, sort of the, the middle generation, um, I because re- I remember those books on the shelf, they took up probably two shelves of books, um, big, thick green books full of product information. And every project, when you're looking for a sp- specific product. You'd go to those books and you'd flip through them and you'd find what you're looking for. And as, as I moved through my career, I saw those books get smaller and smaller and smaller and the shelves reduce, reduce, reduce until in my firm, they started in my firm and then eventually went away. And I just, you know, I found Google and Google was my answer for years. And so, um, so your dad was part of sweets.
1: Uh, yeah, he was the head honcho and, um, and when he left Sweets, uh, he decided, well, well, what am I gonna do? And he thought, hey, you know, I know a lot about this business, why don't I give it a shot? And that's when he created uh, the RCAT directory, the architect's catalog, which is where RCAT comes from. Um, and this was back in 91 and uh, had a few sales reps and uh, published the first one in 91. Um, and a couple of, maybe later that year, I. I was at another job and I was helping them with all the tech stuff. Um and I kept helping with the tech stuff in my spare time. And and my dad always had the offer, uh, you know, if you if you're not into what you're doing, you always have a job at Arcat. Uh and one thing led to another and I I did take a position at Arcat and back then, uh arcat.com this is 95 was 13 pages and uh, so it was a home page, and I believe 12 um, CSI division pages. And on those pages were specifications. Um, these specifications were professionally written and uh, we made available to architects that, that could come to the site and freely download those and use them in their projects. And you know, before um, this source came along, Um, Yeah, I I believe back then, like, MasterSpec was around, um, which are subscription services where you can, um, I don't know how you want to call it, subscribe to their documents. And you can configure those documents and use them for your projects. And those specs are mainly, I would call them more commercial um, because they're very large. And they get very detailed and they cover a lot of manufacturers. Um, for instance, a uh, uh, paint spec could be 100 pages. Um, now, for your audience, a 100-page paint spec would, I think, would be overkill. <laughs> yes, uh, see that
0: most of us say, paint two coats, prime. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, you don't even mention manufacturer, <laughs> right. or, or maybe a few. Um, so. As the years went by, we we had more and more manufacturer specs on the site. And one of our um, spec writers that we contract with is uh, Mark Kalin out of Boston. And he's one of the, if not the top spec writer in the country, he's right up there. Uh, He's a fellow at the CSI and AIA. Um, And he had a collection of outline specifications uh, that he would sell out, sell to spec writers across the country. Um, and he proposed to us, hey, why don't you put these up on the site? And um, that's when we took his specs and we put a user interface around them. Um, and these specs are typically one or two pages long. They're much shorter, much more concise, much simpler. Um, and would be perfect either for a, for a large um, commercial firm to create a preliminary specification or for a residential architect to put together a formal document that's, that's not so large in scope as, um, as a 100-page paint spec. Um, so what we did was we, we created Outline Spec Wizard, which is a simple interface on top of these 250 sections that allows you to spec out an entire project in about 45 minutes. And what I mean by that is you, step by step, you go through division after division, product after product, you select the products you want, you may choose a feature or not, and at the end, you you hit a, like a process slash download button, and it will crank out all these specifications for you, zip them up, and allow you to download them and use them in your project. And uh, the the best part about it is, uh, as well as everything we do at RCAT, it's all free to the user.
0: But just I just want to also clarify while we're talking here is that this is not a commercial. <laughs> you know, it's not a commercial. Oh, it's yeah. not a commercial for <laughs> RCAT. It's just that that uh, that's a it's a it's a question that a lot of architects have, and I wanted to Bill to come on and, and talk about it. Um, but I just wanted to make that clear. You know, so put put that out there. Um, so uh, many of us architects bill are including me, we prepare our specifications on the drawings you know in our in our in the drawings themselves on details and in notes and then uh for us we have a dedicated sheet sometimes two depending on the size of the project of very detailed specifications that we've written over the years that are part of our you know set of drawings um, could could what you're describing be done in both um, either a booklet, a printed booklet, or transferred over to a set of drawings? Is, does it make sense to do it one way or the other? Do you see a preference one way or the other?
1: Um, I personally don't. I've, I've heard doing it both ways. Um, and you know whether you, you use this outline spec system or you grab a chunk of a manufacturer spec, you can easily just cut and paste a block of text and throw it onto one of your sheets, and you know, play with the formatting a little bit, and and off you go. Um, you know, we're everything that we do is tries to save the architect time, whether it's writing a spec or or uh, creating a CAD file or or whatever. Uh, we're just a big giant free resource um, to to cut time off of your your schedule
0: and i you know I think a lot of architects when they hear a free resource um they get skeptical you know in the in the internet world um for one, why is it free? Why isn't it a paid resource and um you know and you you could answer this or not but how does how does our our cat make money if what you're doing is free
1: no we get asked it all the time because when I say it's free they're like well how do you how do you make money? Uh, the manufacturers pay to have their content on our website. Um, so every every profile you see with products on it, every CAD detail, every BIM object, every spec has been paid for by a manufacturer. Because um, historically, you know, ever since Rick was at Suites and all through the RCAT days too, uh, he realized that architects, um, they don't want to spend money on this kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember, Mark, but the Suites catalogs, uh, we're about, I think it was $300 to have them delivered to you. Yeah, um, they were
0: expensive, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, uh, Rick fought tooth and nail to not charge architects for them because, uh, and, and this probably happened with you, is when when you charge for that great resource, the architects think twice about getting the latest version. So uh, are, is my latest catalog in... Uh, in Gensler's office, in their in their library, um, so he learned uh, early that architects do not want to spend money on this kind of stuff, um, and the manufacturers have the the marketing money and, and sales money where they can pay for these kind of services.
0: What's what's included in an outline spec? So if if we're putting together a, a specification for a you know a, a, say a residential project, a new house. Um, what's included in a, in a typical outline specification that could become the document for our, our project?
1: Uh, well it's, now we have outline and short form. Um, what's, it, one what's of, the
0: difference first of all?
1: Um, let's see a short form is a, is a, a smaller three part spec. So there's a part one, two, and three, um, And the outline is just um, a bit of part one, but mainly just part two. And part two is where you define all the products. Um, And part one and three have installation information, um, uh, other products relating to this product. It's more like for reference stuff, but part two is where you define the product um, and its attributes and characteristics. Um, I'm not sure if I answered your question.
0: (laughs) Well, you did, you, you answered, you know, what's the difference, but so let's, let's go to a typical outline spec. Are there categories and different, different sections in that outline spec? What is it actually presenting other than, you know, we're using this product and we're using this manufacturer or is that it?
1: Uh, that's basically it. Um, so I'll, I'll reference paint again. Um, so, in a residential project, you're going to need several kinds of paint. Um, you might need a stain, you know, for the deck outside. You might need an exterior uh, paint for the outside of the house and uh, interior paint for the inside. So, so that that outline spec will have <clears throat> three parts to it, one for each of those products, and you you may or may not want to specify manufacturers. We of course, we list our clients in those sections, but they're just Word documents. You can delete them and edit them any way you like.
0: Okay. Um, one
1: of the things I, I
0: used before I did residential work, because we're exclusively residential at my firm, um, I used to work for a firm in Mount Kisco, New York, that did schools, exclusively schools. And the spec books were multiple volumes of specifications. And I love them because <laughs> I used to work with the spec writer to, to create them and and, uh, and we had a spec dedicated spec writer that's all his job was was to write specifications for schools and uh, he did a great job. And what I loved most about them is that when the project was being built, and this is you know what every architect wants, it was built the way we wanted it built. <laughs> it was built with the manufacturer of the product that we were specifying. it was built you know it was installed the way the manufacturer wants it installed. It protected us as an architect because now, It specifically says in the specification that you must follow these instructions to install it. Um, That's what I love about specifications in our specifications on our drawings that we use now. um, That's what they're there for in order for us to make sure that we get the paint finish that we want every time uh, using the manufacturer that we specify, specify every time. Um, If there's a problem during the project, we just pull out the set of specifications and say, okay, what does the specification say? And then the problem is resolved because that's what they've signed up to, to build. Um, and so I think, I think there's also a lot of small firm architects that are not using any specifications. They're just putting notes on the drawings and have, don't even have a sheet of, of specifications in their, in their set. Uh, and I think that's, that's a mistake. I think for one, you're not going to get the quality of project that you're looking for. Um, you're not going to get the manufacturers or the or the or the the products that you that you want them to use um, But it also it protects you, you know, there's you're losing that opportunity for protection that um, If something goes wrong, you have nothing to fall back on, you know, they, they, they just point your finger They point their finger at you
1: Yeah, it's a it's a legal document. And so so everyone involved has to follow <clears throat> Excuse me uh, follow that document and and like you were saying, if you're familiar with a certain manufacturer or manufacturers, uh, and you note them in in the specifications or on the drawings, uh, that's because you've had had experience with those products, and you trust them, and you know, 10 years down the road, uh, that window sill is not going to warp and, and and rot because you know that manufacturer. Um, I don't know, has a crap flashing in their products that that wouldn't allow something like that to happen. Um, So you're not going to get a call from that homeowner uh, 10 years down the road and go, Mark, why the hell did you put these bad windows in our house? No, they were in the specification. Uh, They should be, I don't know, Pellas. Right. Um, Well, we don't have Pellas in the house. They're XYZ manufactured. Well, no, that's not what was in the spec. Sorry. Right. So that it does protect you in that respect.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and I mean, you're, you, you were passionate about technology and that's, you know, that's sort of, that's your world over at our Um, and a lot you're doing a lot of innovative work. I, I know that the, the products, the, 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 website itself and the app that you're using, you're constantly upgrading it. You're constantly making it better. Uh, it's one of the reasons why you and I have become friends over the, over the, the past year. Um, you know, I'm you're picking my brain. I'm picking your brain uh, about what we're doing and how we're doing it. You know, me at Entree architect and you at our cat. Uh, and it's been, a, a, I've learned so much from you. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree architect. We could not be doing this without them and carb true style doors and fresh books. Do you know someone in your firm who's always dreamed of getting licensed? but was unable to complete the experience requirement? Well, maybe that person's you. Well, now you or they can get back on track with NCARB's new AXP portfolio. With this option, seasoned professionals can complete the Architectural Experience Program, the AXP, formerly the IDP. That's what we used to know it by. It's changed. It's new. You can now complete the AXP by submitting an online portfolio. Along with meeting your state's education and examination requirements, the portfolio will help you or your employees get one step closer to becoming an architect. Learn more about the AXP portfolio at NCARB.org slash Have you ever gone back to a completed project for a visit and found the door sticking or the seam splitting and a very unhappy client? I've been there. We are in the client happiness business here at Small Firm Architects, and when a piece of our project fails to perform, especially one that our clients see and use and touch every day, it makes us look bad. Well, True Style will make us look good. And True Style is passionate about providing us small firm architects with the inspiration and the tools to transform our designs with the most authentic and distinctive doors available. With more than 400 made to order styles, TrueStyle offers beautifully stable, premium MDF doors for painted applications and 20 standard species of wood across all architectural categories from traditional to contemporary and everything in between. Every True Style door is made to order. True Style driven by design. Visit TrueStyle.com, that's T R U S T I L E.com, and start designing your doors today. 192 hours. That works out to about two business days per month. If you're an architect using FreshBooks, that's the amount of administration time that you could save in 2017. That's time that you can be spent doing the things you love, like being an architect. FreshBooks is so fast and easy to use that it changes the way we deal with our paperwork. FreshBooks has been completely redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for the way that we work. With the new projects feature, we can share files and messages with our clients and our contractors and employees. With the new notification center, it's sort of like a personal assistant. You'll always know what's changed in your business since the last time you logged in. So when you're ready to give FreshBooks a try, go to freshbooks.com architect and sign up for your free 30-day unrestricted trial. You get the whole thing for free for 30 days and get the simplest way to be more productive, more organized, and most importantly, importantly, get paid faster. Go to freshbooks.com slash architect, that's freshbooks.com slash architect, and be sure to enter Entree Architect in the how did you hear about us section. What What's coming down the line, not only at RCAP, but in architecture? Um, What's, what's sort of the future of architecture and, and specifications?
1: Um, specifications, that's, I, I have a tough time coming up, commenting on that because um, it could go in so many different directions. Um, spec writers are, quote unquote, a dying breed. Kids coming out of college these days, and correct me if I'm wrong, are not looking to become a spec writer, which which is a shame because it's such an important part of the process. Um, being able to select products is is a skill that somebody at the firm must have, <laughs> right? Because um, there's a lot of products out there, and there's a lot of products that will do X, Y, and Z, and others that do not, and and when. You know, the side of the building has to stay up. It's kind of important that they have certain attributes. Um, anyway, okay, so back to tech. Yeah, I I love talking tech, and you're a high-tech person. You know, you, you talk about the tools that make the small-time architect more productive. Um, for instance, I believe it was uh, episode 152, you were talking about how you can use Trello. Uh, for a variety of different tasks Um, and if if the users aren't familiar with Trello it's it's a very simple tool to start using that will allow you to organize tasks and who are performing those tasks Um, it's a very handy tool I've used it for years in in the tech area Um, which leads me to what's coming down the pike so um, we're redoing our version of Outline Specs. And part of that new system is something along the lines of Trello um, where you can manage tasks, you can invite team members to be part of your project, and you can kick around ideas, um, put photos into the um, into the system. Uh, <laughs> okay, referencing back to uh, episode 152, you were talking about Um, having a goal for the year and the goal that you had mark for the last two years was to simplify and delegate (laughs) um which which is a great concept and i I think everyone should do it um everyone should have one word that they that they uh that they pound into their brains over the course of a year and try and retrain themselves um Mm -hmm. So Charette and Trello help you simplify and delegate. They help you simplify your process and to, to move certain tasks to certain people. Um, so that's a great tool. Um, the future of tech. Um,
0: well, I found when, when I was at AIA convention this past year, I think the, the expo was all abuzz about about VR. And that was really, that was really what everybody was talking about. And I know you you and I were just talking about it a little bit before we started recording. Um, and I know that's not specifically about specifications, but it's about architecture. And I was just wondering, I know that you have a lot of thoughts about that. What, what do you, how do you see that changing the way we're designing?
1: Now I'm not an architect, so I'm speaking a little bit out of school, but, um, I feel that VR is going to completely change how you guys work through your the concepts of your design initially. So um, like we were talking, um, you know, a great way to do that is just to pull out a pencil or a pen and, and just start, start fleshing out ideas on paper. Um, the negative I see of that, the only negative I see of that is after you make that great sketch, and, it, and let's say it's a, a three-quarters view. Well, I wonder what it looks like from this side. So you kind of grab your paper and you want to rotate it, but it doesn't rotate. It's a two-dimensional surface. Um, VR allows you to do the same process only in 3D. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, shameless plug, we're developing an app to do just that, and, and it's one I'll show you very shortly in person. Um, paper and pencil is very free, and there's very little obstacle between your creativity and you fleshing out that idea on that piece of paper. Um, and I find personally that using software, and that's all I do all day long is use software. Software can easily get in the way of your creativity you know, using a mouse to draw uh, pictures on a screen is not exactly the most natural process. And and I find that it is a barrier to your creativity. And to do a sketch in VR without the app, the software, the the controllers, whatever, getting in your your way and allowing you to three-dimensionally express your creativity without any barriers is an amazing feeling trust me on that <laughs> and uh at aia the, the same aia you're talking about i went to the iris vr booth and they they have a great product which uh, if any of your users are using revit um they can and they have a, a high-end pc and a htc vibe it's a it's a vr headset um they can bring up their bim model inside of revit Hit a button, and it will bring it into the Iris VR app, and you'll be able to navigate around your project and make notes in your project. Um, and it's a pretty amazing feeling to be inside your project, to be inside the space, as opposed to seeing it on the screen. Uh, there's a very big difference, and until you've experienced that, you you won't know what I'm talking about. Um, but if, if you do have a chance to get to any, any of the trade shows that are in your area, you got to do it. You got to go put a headset on and give it a shot. Cause it's, it's mind blowing. At least it blew my mind. When I, when I put that headset on, I immediately thought this is going to change how architects work. No doubt.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to, I'm going to, going to come visit our cat myself and, uh, and try it on up by you, but but uh, I I think VR is is going to change everything, and I could see how you know even you know as you're talking and I'm thinking about you know how those early steps of designing a project and how if if you do that in VR and you're doing those initial sketches that we're doing on paper right now, if we're doing that in VR. How quickly you can develop a project, and actually, as you're designing, you could be thinking, you, know, you could be brainstorming and thinking, okay um while we we do you know this type of window and we're going to do this kind of window and this kind of flooring you could actually be picking you know specifications right out of the air while you're <laughs> on the run while you're designing it's oh I, you know I could use this type of flooring and this type of window and this type of while you're doing it cuz it, we do that now you know while we're sketching we're thinking oh you know we could use this product here and this product here but it's usually we do that stuff later but once it's all there and we're all sort of working on it, and it becomes part of the process, which ultimately merges with BIM, um, I could see the future being a very interesting place that's uh, that's different than the world we're living in right now.
1: Yeah, where this actually is gonna go, like like you just talked about dragging specs in there. Um, of course, at RCAT, that's what we think about, but, what I want to create first is a tool that's super easy to use and it fits into your project life cycle. Um, I don't want to, you know, force a spec <laughs> down, right. down a creative person's throat while they're sketching their model. That would be a barrier that would get in their way. Um, yeah, but eventually, you know, who knows where this thing will, will take us. Uh, maybe it'll end up there. Maybe it won't, who knows. Um, but it, it's, it's definitely going to change that conceptual part of hashing out ideas and trying new ideas. Cause you, you can do it so fast. Um, now, is it going to be a, you know, a perfectly accurate model? No. Um, because uh, think about the 2d sketches that you do right, while you're, right. while you're going through concepts, they're not, they're not perfect, um, drawings that you would hand over to a contractor or, or, or your client. no, they're, they're one of the steps in getting to that, you know, finished um, set of drawings. Uh, and, and just to give you a, for instance, like, I'll, I'll just spend five to ten minutes doing a sketch in VR. And it's pretty fleshed out. Like, um, just last night, um, we were playing with a new build, and I was, I was redesigning uh, a park that Gensler had done. Uh, I just found it on their website and I thought it was kind of interesting. They had like a a very cool looking pavilion. So I sketched out um, over the course of, I believe it was nine minutes. I sketched out the the site. Um, I put in some buildings that kind of surrounded the park. I laid out the grass and then I drew the pavilion and all in 10 minutes. And I easily could have, you know, just scrapped the pavilion and tried something different and spent another 15 20 30 minutes hashing out all sorts of weird ideas um but but it, it amazed me on how quickly you could do it like i would assume as quickly as you could do it on paper
0: yeah yeah I, I i get so excited about technology in the future and 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 what's what's here now and and like you had mentioned my my one word is simplicity or in simplify um and you know i'm always looking for a way to automate something or or make it the process easier and more efficient and more effective um so i can do more you know so if if i can build a system that that makes the process quicker or more efficient or more effective then i have more opportunity and more time to put more creativity into it and that's what we all want you know as architects we we want to be able to continue to design and continue to develop it because if you give us the chance we'll design it forever. You will just constantly keep <laughs> to, you know uh, evolving it and making it better and better and better until you know the only thing that stops us is the deadline um, so if we can if we have the deadline and we have systems in place that can automate or or uh, help th- make things easier to 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 happen we can we can do more architecture and do the more more of what we can uh, what we love and so the idea of technology uh for design and specifications, and and what what the future is bringing to us is so exciting for me. I think it's and it's and I think that it's it's definitely it's changing our, the profession as we know it. It's you know I actually wrote an article about it. I forget um, the title of it. We'll put it in the show notes. But I think I shared six uh, technologies that are going to change the profession as we know it. It will be a different profession.
1: Um, Uh, Yeah, I remember that Um, was one of them artificial intelligence one of them was
0: artificial intelligence one I think was VR Um, and uh, and artificial intelligence is going is you know that's a whole nother technology a whole nother world that is going to make our job easier but absolutely will change the profession as we know it it'll be a different profession
1: AI and machine learning is going to change every industry it's already changing all of our lives on a daily basis. Like when you when you talk to your your phone or you know Siri or Alexa, um, there's machine learning and AI behind every response. Um, now, if you've watched any of the very interesting uh, videos from Autodesk, uh, Autodesk University, uh, specifically, they talk about iterating through designs from like a performance engineering standpoint. Um, for instance, uh, you're designing a part for, in this case, it was a car. And what what the computer, what the AI and the machine learning can do is simulate, iterate over um, design after design after design and find an optimal design for that part. Now, <laughs> you as a designer, do you want to Iterate through hundreds of thousands of possible ways to design that part? Or do you want to just create that part and make sure it works uh, the best it can? So, so you, instead of designing that part, you can design the outer shell of the car, um, which is the really interesting part to a human. <laughs> right. To a computer, the, the, the easy stuff is the mundane stuff for us. And machine learning and AI makes all that possible, and, and that is definitely going to um, get into the architectural world, whether it's um, finding the best product for your situation or, or, you know, doing a simple search, there's AI behind that as well. Um, we don't have machine learning on our site, but we do have AI under the hood, and, you know, and Google, for instance, every search you do uh, is run by machine learning and AI. Yeah. Um, so it's already it's already impacting all of our lives, and we don't even know it.
0: Yeah, and we're we're all using well, not all of us, but many of us are using Siri and other other um, you know technologies on our on our smartphones. That and we're using them more and more every day. Every day we come up with a new way <laughs> to use Siri to make our lives better. Um, it's really exciting.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure all the users know how how much better Siri's gotten over the years. Yeah, and that. That's all because of machine learning. And um, Google had... Sorry, I'm digressing that. Okay. <laughs> tech stuff is uh, is obviously very fascinating to me. So Google bought this company um, a couple of years ago, and this company designed a machine learning algorithm that would play the board game Go. Now, Go is um, infinitely more complex than checkers and chess. And chess... Uh, I I believe it was IBM beat Gary Kasparov years ago. Uh, And Go was like the the ultimate because past techniques could not be used for Go. And and I won't get into the details, but because of machine learning, um, it beat the world Go player, um, which is hard to explain how mind-blowing this is because Go... Go, in order to be good at go, you need intuition. You need, you need what us humans use that's kind of undefinable. You know, when you have a feeling this is gonna be a good move, machine learning now can do something like that. That was not possible um, before this company um, got into this machine learning technology. And <laughs> the, the basis of machine learning, it, it's all probabilities. It's math, which, which is also kind of mind-blowing. That that a computer, just using numbers and um, and uh, statistics, could figure out, could use its intuition to make a good move. Um, to me, blows my mind.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's amazing. You know, the, our workflows are going to change, you know, with with machine learning, we'll be able to still design, you know, don't, don't be afraid, because it's not going to replace the creativity that we have. But it will make our job easier. It'll take like, like Bill is talking about, it's going to take away the mundane stuff that we don't want to. Yes, do. Yes, exactly. Um, but, but it will also allow us to, to be the creative people that we want to be. Um, and along the way, you know, if you're designing something that may have a conflict here or may not work here or may go, you know, uh, you may can set some sort of limits. Maybe it's a budget limit or a, or a material limit or some sort of limits that it will start warning you while you're developing the design and say, hey, you know what? You're going over where you want to be. So it may, you know, help you along the process and, and make the process more efficient. Uh, and again, protect you, you know, as an architect.
1: Yeah, like what what if you could you know you interview a client and, and you get their wants and needs you for the for for this conversation you take all that data and you just dump it into this black box and then you as, as an architect you have additional information that you dump into that black box um and then you start designing you do your sketches and you take that sketch, whether it's pencil and paper or VR or whatever, and you dump that into the black box. And then you hit the big red button on the front of the black <laughs> box and using, and the black box, it's it's nothing but machine learning. It takes all that data in and and what it spits out is a digital set of documents, uh, drawings and specifications. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be an amazing way to go through a project? is not having to worry about all that detail and the, uh, the manual labor that it goes into creating all that documentation. Instead, just leave it up to a computer and leave the fun stuff, the, the choosing the products, um, the, what the mass of the building should look like, what the facade of the building should look like, what the, I don't know, the backyard should look like, the courtyard should look like. That's the fun stuff, not putting together specifications for the product.
0: Yeah, and, and the human pieces, the pieces that make each project unique to not only the designer but to the people that are using it. Um, you know, all of that is still controlled by the architect and and all the all the technical stuff can be done by a computer. It's gonna be an interesting world. It's it's a great time to be alive, with no doubt. Yeah,
1: and, and here's the last mind blowing thing is that it's gonna be here way before anyone thinks. Um, all this technology is on an exponential curve right now, and we're right at the bottom of where that curve starts to go straight up. Um, I, I'm seeing it all around me in the in the tech world. I, I all I do is listen to um, podcasts for architecture and um, and technology, like. My wife will say, "Oh, do you know the inauguration today?" I'm like, "Oh, no, I didn't." You know why? Because I don't have time to listen <laughs> right, <exactly>. to news. <laughs> well, what am I listening to? I'm listening to a, a machine learning podcast or or Entree Architect or something like that. Uh, there isn't enough hours in the day to keep up with with how fast everything is moving these days.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, I it's exciting. I, I know I keep using that word. I've been using that word a lot throughout these episodes, but. Uh, it you know, is. I keep talking to people that get me get me pumped up, and talking about subjects that excite me. So, uh, uh, forgive the the redundancy of using that word, <laughs> but uh, it's a it's a good time to be alive. So, Bill, thank you thank you for joining me here today and, and getting me excited about uh, the future of architecture. Uh, your website is arcat.com dot com dot com. Social media. Just go to arcat.com in the upper right corner. It has all their social media links. Um, But before we go here, Bill, I want to ask you the question that that I ask everybody here at Entree Architect Podcast. What is the one thing that small firm architects can do today to build a better business for tomorrow?
1: Um, I got a good answer for you. And and I think a lot of your your audience uh, already believe in this. Um, And like I was just saying, podcasts. Um, Listen to podcasts. Uh, there's a bunch of good architectural podcasts out there. Uh, there's a bunch of small business podcasts out there. There's a bunch of, um, how to make yourself a more performant person podcasts. Uh, the reason I bring that up, Tim Ferriss, he has a a podcast. Have you heard of him? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss. Yeah. And podcasts are very niche. You'll, you'll, likely not find any of this information on TV or radio because they, they, um, they go out to a broad audience and all, every podcast that I listen to, um, is, is extremely niche and serves my interests, uh, and, and my needs. Um, so that's my biggest piece of advice. It, podcasts podcast will enlighten you in so many ways and expand your thinking and, um, Make you a better architect and a better person. How about that? Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I, That's a great one and I love that because you know, I want more people to listen to this podcast But I haven't I haven't listened to terrestrial terrestrial radio regular radio in Way over a year probably two years um, I don't even turn it on anymore in my car uh, It's just not part of my life anymore my my life is podcasts and audiobooks if it's audio it's it's a podcast or an audiobook yeah um, and i don't i don't listen to the radio i barely listen or watch television anymore it's it's almost all uh online content now uh, even for video um, there's a few shows that i still record dvr and flip through them and then football <laughs> my wife is a big <laughs> football fan so we record all of the the football games and uh and watch them throughout the week so that's, that's a good time. I get to spend some time with Anne-Marie not talking about architecture. Um, but I love your answer with podcasts. I, I think you're you're right. It's, uh, it can change the way you do business. It can change the way you live your life. Amen. Yeah. Bill, thank you for uh, spending some time here and, uh, and, and sharing your knowledge with the listeners here at Entree Architect Podcast.
1: It was fun, Mark. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode will be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 155. Did you know that you can go to any episode that you want just by going to entrearchitect.com slash episode and the number of the episode? It'll take you right there. It's a little shortcut for every episode for the last 155 episodes. You can do that. Also, if you go to entrearchitect.com slash search, you can search for any topic you want. It'll take you to all the blog posts and all the podcasts for that subject. So if you're interested in something about marketing, go to entrearchitect.com search, pop in marketing into the search box, and it will give you everything that we've ever written or talked about about marketing. It's pretty awesome. entrearchitect.com search. Hey, don't forget to visit the website to gain unlimited free access to our digital course, Profit for Small Firm Architects and learn how to build a powerful profit plan that will work for your small firm. Visit entrearchitect.com slash free course. That's pretty easy to remember. Slash free course. It's a great place to start building a better business. And guess what? It's free. entrearchitect.com slash free course. Hey, you probably know this by now, but my name is Mark Arla Page, and I am an entrepreneur architect. And I encourage you, to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.